0: Coming up a week from Friday, February the 28th, the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra comes to town for a free concert at ECSU's campus that will be at the Fine Arts Instructional Center. It's my pleasure to be joined by Caleb Bailey, the Executive Director of the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra, to tell you about this free event. Great music at no charge. That is a win-win. Caleb, good morning. Thanks for coming in for today. And for starters, what is the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here early in the morning, at least for me, on a President's Day. Um, The Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra is a non-profit orchestra, and we are based primarily in southeastern Connecticut, we perform at the Guard Arts Center in New London six times a year. We also do a couple concerts in Norwich. We've done some cathedral concerts at the Cathedral of St. Patrick's. And then we do education programs all throughout New London County. So um, getting up to Wyndham County and to Willimantic has been a goal of mine for the last four years since I've started this job. And uh, we're finally able to make it happen because of uh, Eastern Connecticut State University and, and helping us put this whole thing together.
0: How many musicians are in the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra?
1: So it varies from year to year. depends on how many contracted players we have. But anywhere between 65 and 70 are on our roster. And then it's, uh, you kind of look at what you're performing, and that dictates how many are actually going to end up going on stage. Sometimes it's a little less, as with this concert that we'll talk about, and other times it's a little bit more, pushing 80 even. And for that, then we hire subs and other musicians in the region.
0: So in the 65, the 70, or the 80, will you be one of those playing your guitar? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, guitarist, I, there's a joke that I could say is, how do you get a guitarist to stop playing music? Put sheet music in front of them because that 's you know you just kind of start strumming away and and classical musicians they 're very disciplined they 've trained for hours and hours alone in practice rooms, went to conservatory. Um, I loved music as a kid and played trombone in high school and could read music actually, contrary to popular belief. But I didn't want to go to school for that. So for me, I always wanted to work in music, but not actually be the one on stage. So as such, as the executive director, I really raise the money. I help market the season, plan the season with our music director, make sure the musicians are hired, manage the staff, manage finances. So it's really more of the the insider job.
0: And this particular concert has a turkey theme. Now, I'm not talking Thanksgiving turkey. I'm talking about the country of Turkey. Do tell. Correct.
1: So our music director, Toshiyuki Shimada, he has frequently gone overseas to Turkey and other countries to guest conduct. So for conductors, this is a quite frequent thing where it's sort of like they they go around, they do special pop-up concerts in different places, and the orchestra typically will benefit from... Having a different conductor come in and work with them, so um, he 's done that with with youth groups. He was the music director for the Yale Symphony for many years, and before that portland maine so he 's had a couple of different posts, and even during all of those, he will fly overseas and do recording projects or work with orchestras so he 's gone to Turkey a number of times, and they have a couple of different orchestras in Turkey and it's actually kind of a different model because some of the orchestras are privately owned in turkey so, like, by car companies and things like that, they'll they'll have an orchestra that they fund. So it's obviously not the same model that we have here in in the United States. So he's gone over to Istanbul, to Ankara, um, and many other places to conduct, and has basically gotten to know the lay of the land and who the really dynamic, really great musicians are. So he kind of put together this dream team that if he could bring any two artists from Turkey and bring them here. The artists that we're going to have are those people.
0: You know, this is not, hang on, Sloopy. You're, you'll know what I'm talking about, the 1-4-5 chord sequence. You know, right. the, the CFG7 <laughs> kind of thing. How do you teach? How does he teach or have the people learn? There's 65 to 70 people in this, what apparently is going to be a totally new exposure to this music from Turkey. What, there must be rehearsals.
1: There are rehearsals, and a lot of people are surprised to find out that we don't even start rehearsing until the week of the concert. Um, but when you have classical musicians, they're so well trained that you know they, they get the music two or three weeks out ahead of time. So then they get it, they practice on their own ideally, at their house, and then they come to rehearsal having an idea of sort of how the piece goes. Um, Then it's the music director's job to really not teach them the piece, because if that's what's happening, then something has gone terribly wrong. But what his job is is to really coax out the interpretation and to say you know the strings are overpowering here why don't we try a different bowing pattern or hey i can't hear the woodwinds or brass at all you know why don't we try a different phrasing you know it's sort of a, a way of showing them how the piece should be interpreted and then going over the rough spots going over the difficult parts and playing it all together maybe only once or twice before the concert so it's really um it's it's tricky work, and it can't be spent just talking about, you know, you're, here's the note you're supposed to be playing, and you're playing this note, um, which, although that does happen sometimes, it's much more nuanced, and sometimes you'll even get into... You know this should be like a waterfall, it should be flowing, it should be smooth, it should be silky, or you know maybe it's the contrast of that, and maybe it's this should be jagged and you know get a little bit more grit in your bows when you're when you're going up and down so um it's really an interesting process to watch It's kind of how I fell in love with orchestral music um where I come from is Nebraska, and uh I started off as an orchestra manager there, and you would hear these rehearsals four times before the concert. And the music just gets ingrained and you hear it and you, you hear where it starts and then you obviously get to hear where it ends. For the audience, you just come and you hear the final product, um, which is very nice. But it's also very interesting to see that, that craft and that work of him going through that during rehearsals. So if you
0: have 65 people in the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra and they're learning a new piece of music, does that mean there are 65 different pieces of sheet music? or would some of them, like all the violin players, would they all kind of have the same stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first violins we have for this concert, we're gonna have 10 of them. So 10 are on the same part. Um, occasionally, composers will actually split it and say, okay, first, you know, inside stand, you play this part, outside stand, you play that. Cause then you can turn those 10 into, you know, it's, it's then two people um, splitting a part. So then you can actually sort of double the amount of string parts you can write. So some composers do that. By and large, for this concert, um, there will will be ten violins, violin ones, playing the same thing. So you have two of them each on a stand for the strings. So they share a stand, um, and that's always interesting because the, the stand partner It's always sort of the person who's on the outside has a little bit of a higher status because, you know, the audience can see them. They're going to hear their sound a little bit louder. So the inside player is the one who has to turn the pages. (laughs) So there's a little bit of a hierarchy there, which is interesting to watch. Um, So, yeah, you have your violin ones, violin twos, viola, cello, and then bass.
0: How about the kettle drummer? I want to hear about the kettle drummer, because when I see a show, and I've seen, I just saw one up in Saratoga this yeah. summer. Uh,
1: i tell you what, I couldn't take my eye off the kettle drummer. I love that. It's interesting, and, and it adds so much that you don't often think about, but it's one of those distinguishing instruments that makes the orchestra what it is. Um, because, like, we have the Coast Guard Band near us, and many of the Coast Guard Band players play in our orchestra, but they don't have strings, and they don't have timpani, typically so those are some of the the denoting factors that make it orchestra and our tympanist is really wonderful and he um, was the sound engineer for the coast guard band so um he's going to be playing only two timpani for this concert because that's all that's required in the music so Um, We've worked with Eastern Connecticut State University's percussion department, and they're going to allow us to borrow that so we don't have to haul as many large items up to, you know, all the way from New London all the way up to Willimantic.
0: Now, this concert, February 28th, free, by the way. If you like tickets, you can get them at 465-5123 to reserve your tickets. We'll be at the spectacular new Fine Arts Instructional Center. I've seen several shows up there, and the acoustics are just phenomenal. This is a great venue for such a dynamic presentation of the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra. How did this particular show come about?
1: So it's been um, sort of a long goal of ours to get back up to Willimantic. And when I say back up to, I mean that in the 50s, we were known as the New London Symphony. And also during that time, there was a group up here called Willimantic Symphony, And although I know there is a group called Willamantic Symphony here now, that's actually a community organization. Um, There was a professional paid orchestra here in the 50s, and it was run sort of by a woman named Marie Blanchette. And so what she found, along with our founding music director, Victor Norman, they both found that they were sharing players, they were conflicting on dates. They were, you know, just basically having kind of a bear of scheduling, finding out that they used all the same people. So what they decided to do was merge in the 50s to become the Eastern Connecticut Symphony, which is what we are now. So the reasoning behind this was that we would then do concerts in Willimantic and New London, and rehearsals would be in Norwich. So it's sort of this whole, you know, up and down system. And that went that way for probably 10 or 15 years, where we were doing all these concerts up here in Willimantic. And as I think funding declined a little bit, we weren't able to keep that connection going so as eastern connecticut symphony we're really trying to embody that and rekindle this relationship that we have with willimantic that's sort of if you look at willimantic and new london you they could almost be sister cities in many ways you know very interesting dynamic organizations and communities there um that are sort of rising up and and getting better you know each day and as we sort of continue to come out of the recession from 2008 so it's really interesting to me being in Willimantic because I feel such a, a warm, fuzzy feeling walking around downtown. Um, just getting to know it has been great for me. And Eastern Connecticut State University is really the linchpin that made this happen. So they provided a significant amount of the funds we would need. And then um, a couple of local businesses have chipped in as well. So um, we're able to do this. And I'm actually going to be knocking on a few doors after this. So all the banks are lucky. It's President's Day because I can't go and bother them. Um, but the actual program itself, in terms of what we 're performing, that came to be about almost two years ago when we started planning this season. so we 're going to go ahead and do um, Beethoven symphony number no. seven that 's one of the biggest blocks that sort of fell into place first when we started scheduling um, and then we send out our brochure typically in the summer before the season starts. So this season has been, uh, this concert has been publicized for a while. What we didn't know was whether or not we would be able to bring it up to Willemantic. So we kind of had to rearrange the schedule a little bit to make that happen.
0: Speaking of Beethoven's Symphony No. 7, maybe people go, oh, I don't know that. But Mm -hmm. there's a good chance they may have heard that music and didn't know what it was.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, any more on TV in the dramatic moments, you can hear the second movement, which has got this sort of, Long, short, short, long, long pattern, and if you start listening for that, anytime you hear strings doing that pattern, you're probably listening to the second movement of Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Seven, and you never even knew it. So that particular portion of the symphony was so popular in its time when it was debuted that the audience called for an encore of that movement. So this was a lot more common in um, orchestral music back in the day. Was that. When you heard a movement you really liked, you would just cheer, stand up, yell, scream, and then they would play that movement that that you all really loved. And there was a lot more of applause in between movements or even during the actual concert itself. Like when Mozart was putting on concerts, if he would have seen how we listen to Mozart now, he would think, what's wrong with all these people? They don't like my music. Because in the original time of Mozart, people were gallivanting around, they were eating, they were consorting, they were drinking, they were falling down in the aisles. It was a big party, and the music was sort of happening in the background. Um, and that was seen as successful. You know, that's what the, the role of the music was. Originally, it was really chamber music commissioned by um, the wealthy, either in the the aristocracies or, or anything like that, private families. And now, of course, it's concert music, and, and we think of, we need to sit down and listen to this. So As times have changed, so too has the way that we interact with this music.
0: If you saw Mr. Holland's opus, The King's Speech, X-Men Apocalypse, or Cosmos, you have indeed heard Beethoven's Symphony No. 7. Mm -hmm. I'm delighted to be joined this morning by Caleb Bailey, the executive director of the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra. What exactly does an executive director of an orchestra do, Caleb?
1: So when people hear director, they probably think that I wave my arms around and, and stuff a, like that. a baton, that. yeah. Yeah, I don't do any of that. So um, as the executive director, um, I was hired by the board of directors. So as a nonprofit, we have a board, and they're responsible for hiring the executive director. So that's why I decided to uproot my... Wife and my cat, and moved from Nebraska to Connecticut was because of these people.
0: What does your cat think of Connecticut?
1: <laughs> uh, I think he liked it for the most part. Okay. Yeah, so. Uh, How about the wife? Enjoy it. Well, <laughs> jury's out on that one. No, she actually works at Southern um, Connecticut State University, so um she loves her job there and we're we're both very happy with our employment and so it, through my job what I do is raise the money i write grants i work on the marketing pieces i work with our music director to plan the season he's the one most often saying these pieces should go together because of x y and z and because of the reasons that he knows from his training um, and then my job is to think, how can I tie this into the community, how can we market this, what should the concert be called, you know, those sort of logistical details, what's the cash flow going to need to be that week to be able to pay, make payroll for all these musicians. Um, there's a lot of details that go into it, and then I manage my small staff, one full-time, and then a couple of part-timers who help do the music, and the music librarian, and then there's a personnel manager who hires the musicians.
0: How does someone become a member of the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra? Or do you have openings? Do you apply for this? You know, okay, I learned how to play the violin when I was a kid, and I think I can be a first violin player for the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra. Where do I sign up? How does You that can work?
1: certainly try that attack uh, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> most people, I'd say, come from conservatory backgrounds, Juilliard, New England conservatory, um, but there are some that are, are locals, and within, I'd say we about 33% are within 15 miles of where we are in terms of where they live. And then we have others who are as far flung as Virginia. Our harpist comes from Virginia, and she's got a local connection, so she stays with her friend, stays up here for the full week, and then goes back to Virginia. So um, plenty from Boston, New York, and um, we do auditions every year. So you can take a look at the our website, which is ectsymphony.com and you can poke around on there and you can see auditions and then when we are getting ready to announce auditions all the repertoire that you'll need to be able to perform shows up so what you do is you drill it you work really hard on on these different pieces there's usually a little mozart a little bach um, you pick a concerto of your choice of your violinist and you play play a little snippet and it's behind a screen so the judges don't see who you are you don't see who the judges are Um, and then it's proctored, so there's someone sort of as an in-between person. And then if they like what they hear, then you get the job.
0: And this one has pieces from Beethoven, from Mozart, and also a work from one of Turkey's most beloved composers as well. The overall theme of the program is called Turkish Delight. What do you think the demographics for your audience for these shows are? And I'm asking that not so much about adults, Mm because you like it or you don't, but I'm wondering about bringing kids along. How old sure. do you think what do you think the youngest age group that would, could appreciate classical music would be?
1: Um I mean this being a free concert it's a great chance to see how they like it um you know we we always encourage people to bring their kids I love when I see you know 6 to 7 year olds who are able to focus and and um to go to the concert, sometimes they'll, their parents will take them home at intermission. So if they're younger, they'll say, "All right, you know, they're starting to squirm a little bit. You know, let's go ahead and and call it now um, for a free concert. That's great because then you don't feel like you're missing out on your money's worth. So I'd encourage you to bring your kids. Um, they often say if it's like four or under, that's probably a little too young. Um, and then there's the extreme if you have an infant they're great because they just for the most part sleep so um, we we always encourage people to to expose their children to to Mozart there's you've probably heard about the Mozart effect but there's cognitive benefits from listening to orchestral music which I think many mothers are, are conscious of and they play it in the womb and then it's like you know with our education uh, system music is often one of the things that gets cut so it's like once you're out of the womb eh, you're on your own for music now but um that's one thing that we try to sort of advocate for more on the political level is to get music education back in or if there's stem education we always advocate add in arts and make it steam because engineers they need to be able to come up with a creative solution to something and when we're you know electric boat is in new london a lot of those engineers come to our concerts and they say that it helps them think about problems in a different way. So, you know, you can beat your head against the wall with formulas and and calculations, but at the end of the day, sometimes you need that outside approach to be able to arrive at a solution.
0: And I would say, too, that you don't need to be a classical music fan to appreciate something like this. I've always felt that a lot of times, there might be a venue of music that's not part of your daily musical routine, but when you hear it live, mm-hmm. it's different than oh, it is that's if it's recorded. One
1: hundred percent correct, and. You know, you look at, like, YouTube videos of classical music, it's great, but it's easy enough to ignore because you don't have the power of the dynamics. When you get there in the hall and you realize these 50 to 80 musicians are all coming together to make this one thing happen and you're never going to hear it like that again because it's this hall, it's this music director, it's this particular cast of characters... Um, you're imbued with this sense of something really, truly original. And the way I like to think of it is it's music without any mediated environment. There's no speakers. There's no loudspeakers. There's, It's all wood and brass and strings coming together to create this beautiful, organic thing that I liken it to like molecular gastronomy, which, you know, people like the fancy food that's like it's put on the plate and it's like you don't even know what it is. But it, once you start eating it, your your senses are opened up. It's something a little bit different for you. That's exactly what you're saying.
0: Tell me about your conductor, Toshi. Does he put on a show up front?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a student of Leonard Bernstein. So he's had some of the those uh, more showier conductors. He's fun to watch. Um, he's not just a. A small movements kind of guy like he's doing big gestures to sort of help the audience see where should i be paying attention to right now and that's the other thing about orchestral music is it's incredibly visual to see everything coming together to see the string sections working that's kind of half the fun of it is to watch oh who's doing that where did that sound come from i don't even recognize that oh that's what it sounds like when an oboe and a cello are playing together because it creates a new sound and that's what composers had to paint with was this incredibly rich palette of sounds that they could mix together and and obviously we're going to hear uh three of the masters on this concert
0: yes indeed especially the 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 beethoven the mozart and and the like and what what is it about the the, you mentioned mozart the mozart effect Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't know what that was yeah what what is that
1: Mozart Effect is something that if you research it, they say that um, children who have been exposed to Mozart or orchestral music at a young age show higher scores on intelligence or on you know, test-taking abilities, um, critical thinking. It, it runs the gamut
0: is it too late for me to I don't think that so that?
1: you're not a lost <laughs> cause
0: I mean if I start listening to Mozart well that did like you know maybe a better person well it they do my say life.
1: they do say that and um, not to say that you're in this category either but the other side of things is for people who are much older and who have dementia music helps their memory come back so it sort of helps you I think in all facets of your life both very early and it helps you enjoy think of creative solutions and just have a good experience And then, of course, it it helps. It has a health benefit too.
0: Caleb, is this like a a long term plan that you've got? This is, of course, an event coming up on February 28th, but you're hoping it's not the last stop at ECSU or in the Willimantic area for the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, we've been trying to get up here a little bit more, and you know, we'd love to even get up to the Quiet Corner. This is sort of our next area that we'd love to be able to develop in. Maybe we can make this a once-a-year thing, and um, if we can get the Willimantic business community to sign on for that, then it's something that's quite possible, and some of them have already. So we're really excited to partner with them and, and to present this concert. The thought
0: comes to mind, Shabu stage across the street here, too. Mm, That stage is big enough, I think, to accommodate at least 50 or 60 of these people. Absolutely. That's for other people to deal with. But just an idea to uh, expose the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra, putting on a program called Turkish Delight, Friday, February 28th. It is free. But you do have to uh, reserve your free tickets in advance. There's a website, which I'm not going to go on all these URL things here, but the phone number is easier, 860 465-5123, 465-5123, five, five, limit four tickets per person. And it's at the spectacular Fine Arts Instructional Center with great acoustics at Eastern Connecticut State University. Kayla, this sounds great. Hope a lot of people come out to hear Turkish Delight, the theme for the Eastern Connecticut Symphony Orchestra on Friday, February 28th. Good to see you. Thank you so much, Wayne. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.